New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove, pioneer in the research of parapsychology and founder and host of the YouTube channel New Thinking Aloud. He's the first place winner of the prestigious Bigelow Institute Award for his essay that gives extensive and credible examples that human consciousness survives death. I'm speaking with Jeffrey at his home by remote connection. Jeffrey, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. You know, in your essay, Beyond the Brain, the Survival of Human Consciousness After Permanent Bodily Death, you mentioned the analogy of the white crow in relationship to results in scientific research. So please share with us what that means and the importance to you in your study of consciousness surviving physical death. Yes, the phrase was first developed by William James, one of my heroes. He's regarded as the father of American psychology, but he was a great psychical researcher and very interested in the paranormal. And he said, if you want to disprove the hypothesis that all crows are black, all you need is to find one white crow. And then he added, Mrs. Piper, the medium whom he had been studying, is my white crow. Wow, that's great. I know that you call many aspects or categories in this survival of consciousness white crows. And the interviews that you do really highlight these white crows. And some of them are near-death experiences, for one, after-death communications, reincarnation, mediumship, instrumental communication. So can you say something about why it is that you first got interested in even studying this, much less than getting a PhD in parapsychology? And I must tell our listeners, you hold the only one from an American accredited university, University of California, Berkeley. So why did you even get interested in this in the first place? Well, I think it's wonderful, Justine, that we're such old friends that you were there in 1980 at my graduation ceremony, uh, which was a, a big party we held at the University Art Museum. But Before I went into parapsychology, I was a graduate student in criminology. I was working as an intern at San Quentin Prison doing group therapy sessions with murderers and rapists. And while all that was going on, I had a powerful dream one night. My great uncle Harry, who was thousands of miles away in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, came to me in this dream, and it touched me so deeply. We had a very deep conversation, and when I awoke from the dream, I was crying tears of joy and singing 
a song from the sacred Jewish liturgy. So I wrote home. I said, how's Uncle Harry? I had a dream about him. My mother phoned me as soon as she got my letter and said, how did you know Uncle Harry had just died? And it seems as if that dream occurred practically at the moment of his death. Well, that shook me to my core. I wondered what, what was going on. And I, I began asking my professors, you know, what, what could they tell me about such a dream? I quickly learned that even at one of the greatest universities in the world, the professors there had nothing intelligent to say. But I was able to find uh, over time three professors in the university system who said, if you want to pursue this more extensively, we will sponsor you in an individual, interdisciplinary, one-of-a-kind doctoral program at Berkeley. So I took that route. I left criminology with a master's degree and spent the next seven years at Berkeley studying the paranormal. And I remember that time very vividly, and it was not easy. I mean, you were bucking a lot of uh, different uh, resistances to that. And so that's why it was so joyful, just absolutely joyful to attend that party when you were awarded that uh, prestigious uh, PhD, really, and unique PhD. It was just fabulous. I want to say something about the essay that you wrote that got this award, and it was huge. I mean, you got $500,000. I mean, it was like a Nobel Prize in parapsychology, for goodness sake. In this essay, what's so wonderful about it, Jeffrey, is that you include all these various interviews that you've done in the last 50 years on this subject. It's amazing. This essay is just an amazing document. And it's not only written, but it's also electronic. This is like the way uh, uh, a, a lawyer would present to a jury, here is the evidence. I just love that. I love being part of the jury to receive this evidence. So any comment on that way you present it? Well, you know, after I got my doctoral degree in parapsychology, I, I might have imagined, oh, I'm going to have a career as a professor somewhere. But the truth is, I was unemployable. And because I had already been working, as you know, as a volunteer at KPFA Radio and also at KSAN uh, doing a little program there, I gravitated towards pursuing a career in the media. You couldn't have an academic career. But the truth is, that was the perfect place for me to be. And uh, now we can see, especially with the advent of YouTube, that you know the so-called guardians of reality, the scientific establishment, they don't have such a grip on society as they used to because of people like yourself on New Dimensions and all of the you know, work I've been doing on YouTube and elsewhere and many other people, of course. So when it came to writing the essay, the Bigelow Institute guidelines were 
that the essay should rely on human testimony, just as you would do in a courtroom, to provide a case beyond all reasonable doubt. So I was very fortunate that I had many decades of interviews with people, uh, leading researchers and experiencers in the field who could be brought to bear in the essay with their actual words and images saying what they had experienced. Absolutely. And you really have outlined so many of them that if anyone doubted this information and this experience as existing, those doubts would be erased. Let's just give an example. The one that pops for me in, you know, afterlife communications is one of the subjects that you cover. It happened in 1842, and there was a priest, I think he was Catholic, and he was approached by a Presbyterian woman who had had a dream. Do you recall that interview? That was a fascinating case. The woman, I think, was not Catholic, Presbyterian or something in Scotland. And she said, I've been bothered by this dream. It's a deceased woman. And she says that I need to contact a priest because she died, but she left a debt, a tiny debt of like 30 pence or something. And she wants you to pay her debt. And the priest said, well, what is her name? And she gave at least the last name of the woman. And the priest said, I'll ask around. And it turned out after some time of asking around, he found out that this woman owed that amount of money to a local grocer. And so the priest paid off her debt for her. Even though it's small, like a very small little debt, it's such a wonderful example of when we are receptive to these messages and we follow through, we may get some surprising results. So if there's anything you can say about how we might help ourselves to be more receptive to this kind of information, what advice would you give? Well, one piece of simple advice is to pay attention to your dreams, because it certainly seems as if the dream world, I like to think of it as a hyperspace world, is adjacent to, intersects with what the Tibetans call the Bardo Plains. Carl Jung, the great Swiss psychiatrist, called it all the collective unconscious. The realm of the dead and the realm of dreams interpenetrates each other, and we can learn a lot about the afterlife by paying attention to our dreams. Thank you for that. Jeffrey, in one of the books that you wrote, it's called P.K. Man, The True Story of Mind Over Matter. What was so fascinating about him, and who was he? That was uh, a 10-year field study I did with a man named Ted Owens. I met him in 1976, and I studied his claims for 11 years until he died in 1987. I have in my files today 168 examples of demonstrations that he provided of his psychokinetic or mind over matter abilities. He claimed that he was working with hyperdimensional entities that he called the space intelligences and that they had been working with him since childhood to give him unusual powers. 
like Moses in the Bible. So he had demonstrations of controlling the weather, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes, power blackouts, UFO sightings, ending droughts, even controlling athletic events. And I would say of the 168 examples where you would only expect success by chance alone, maybe 1% of the time, he was roughly two-thirds accurate. So he was in touch with something beyond this physical reality. Is that what you're saying? That's what he claimed. And I have no no way of either verifying it or falsifying it, except to say that he was pretty good at actually producing UFO sightings. In one instance, he produced a UFO sighting. He said it would be seen by hundreds of people, and it was. He said it would be photographed, and it was. He said the photograph would be published on the front page of one of your local newspapers, and that happened. It was published in the front page of the Berkeley Gazette. I believe that would be December 12th, 1976. Wow. That must have really helped you to continue to look into all of these different parapsychological events. And if there's anything that you can say before we go out about how these events might be important in this day and time. Well, I think we can learn a lot, Justine, from the reports of people who have had near-death experiences, who have entered the afterlife and come back to report on what it was like. And they say that the most overwhelming experience that roughly 98% of them talk about is being immersed in a sense of universal love. And I think, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could experience that here on this earth plane more? So my way of thinking about it is to say, love everybody and everything all of the time. You know, Jeffrey, I'm thinking as we come out of hopefully this pandemic and the many, many, many people who have died, our loved ones who have died by themselves, where their family could not be around them. I would think that your work in particular in parapsychology is very important as far as comfort to people to know that consciousness survives death and that people can still be with their loved ones, even though they physically passed away. Well, one thing I think that would be of comfort to people who have maybe have lost a loved one in the pandemic when they couldn't be there with them at their deathbed is that the reports are pretty consistent across uh, near-death experiencers and deathbed visions that there are typically loved ones and relatives and guides and helpers waiting on the other side to greet them. So they won't be alone on the other side. They'll be getting help as soon as they're across the great divide. Jeffrey, I just want to thank you so much for being with us and being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Justine. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Same here. I've been speaking with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove. 
and he is a pioneer in the research of parapsychology and founder and host of the YouTube channel, New Thinking Aloud, and Aloud, A-L-L-O-W-E-D, New Thinking Aloud, and he's first place winner of the prestigious Bigelow Institute Award for his essay that gives extensive and credible examples that human consciousness survives death. And to find out more about his work, you can go to his website, newthinkingaloud.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.